What we've started doing now uh, mm. is also started tracking in the last five years, trust at a brand level. Mm-hmm. which again because now we've done it for five years is showing some very very interesting mega trends uh, so in 2017 i think was the first time when we encountered something the report calls uh, belief driven buying which is about i will buy stuff uh, when i believe that the brand believes in the same things as i do mm-hmm. and recently i mean and then you can see the trend from there onwards mm-hmm. uh, then there was a report that spoke about how people are are actually voting with their wallets mm-hmm. so it's almost like a brand democracy and the brand that i choose um i sh- show my choice through my wallet so i'm not just buying the brand but i'm buying all the other choices that this brand mm-hmm. is made hello fellows Welcome to the next episode of Jagged with Jasravi Conversations at the Edge with thought leaders from the marketing, branding and the business world. Hi Sumer, it's so nice to have you on my show. Hi Jasravi, it's been a while. Aptly <laughs> said. Yes. Sumer, so if I requested you to paint your profile what would you say i would say um i'm somebody who's always trying to get his right side of his brain talk to his left side you know so, one of the things that we're going to discuss you know uh, sumer post covid the online world has become more real than offline in the sense that i'm talking to you without the mask and you know otherwise in real world i would be wearing a mask and i'd be keeping a lot of distance social distance so uh so understanding culture in the online world has taken on meaning when we started out in advertising one of the things that everybody used to uh you know look at as a benchmark of knowing your consumer or understanding your consumer was through travel and through specifically i think in a india that was growing at a rapid pace travel that meant uh, going to the smaller towns understanding how that consumer lived train travel was seen as this amazing thing that helped you unravel you know what people in india are thinking especially the heartland is thinking uh, the same can now be done i believe uh, to a large extent and i'm not saying one substitutes the other but it can be done to a large extent even if you go uh, interact with people or see what they are doing digitally you could look at instagram reels that are being posted uh, you will get topics and these topics really or these themes are really themes that interest the young people or the people who are posting them yeah. you 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 are witnessing what their conversations with their friends are you're witnessing what their conversations with their families you're witnessing uh, the stuff that matters to them hmm. uh, and and that can give you just like the proverbial train journey which kind of helped you unravel the landscape i think you can unravel and learn a lot even from the digital landscape so sumer now uh... in the, the pandemic has changed and and i think this, we're going to keep analyzing what has changed we keep evolving it's so dynamic anyways but uh, trust who do you trust and edelman does this uh, trust barometer it's been doing it since 20 years 21 years uh, which is very interesting about what it means for organizations corporations leaders and brands in terms of 
what people expect uh, when they say we trust and that has changed drastically. Could you share uh, with us uh, any few key insights? And before that, uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about the survey? Uh, you know, how many countries, because it's huge, the sample representation, yeah. the brands that are tracked. So I, I think Edelman started doing this around 21 years back, as you mentioned, and it came at, uh, there were these climate uh, protests that occurred, I think, Kyoto climate protests that occurred hmm. uh, in the late 90s, which showed like things were changing and consumers were changing their mindset. And that's when the company started doing these trust surveys. What the trust survey initially did was it tried to figure out uh, in relation to media, NGO, corporate and government, what mm -hmm. are consumers currently, who do they trust the most, mm -hmm. whose trust is actually growing, what's declining, what are the new aspects or if something is growing, for example, if your trust in media is growing, why is it growing? Or if you trust in media is declining, why is it declining? Uh, so there is 20 years of data on that. And it's very interesting when you now look at it as a rear view mirror, because you will find that around the time when Donald Trump, for instance, won, uh, if you looked at media specifically, trust at that point of time was not in media organizations, but in what the report called people like me. So people were more interested in listening to and gave more credibility to people who seemed just like them rather than, uh, you know, the venerable old media outlets. And I think we saw uh, the impact of that in that US election or in Brexit or even in India, if you see um, the way the news world has completely changed in the last six or seven years. Uh, so on one level, it's, it's very interesting to now look back at that 20 year data and say, okay, look, we got this. Mm. Um, and that happens primarily because it's done around 16 nations, uh, which includes the developing world as well as the developed world. Mm. And you get lots of comparative data as well. So for example, one of the things we see year on year is that uh, the developed world is always more cynical and the developed world always disbelieves corporates so if, if you speak about uk europe germany uh, the us corporations are bad people and corporations are usually out there to make a quick bark or destroy nature but in all the developing markets like india or even like china uh, there is more of a respect towards corporations. So corporations would always score higher. So the mean of the developing world is always higher than the mean of the developed world. So those are interesting comparisons. Yeah. Um, you would find things like knowledge gaps. So one of the interesting things we do in this survey is that we check for opinion from what we call the evolved opinion, which is graduates and people with college degrees, mm -hmm. and then the mass opinion. And then you see gaps in that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and gaps in that sometimes uh, show throw up things like also point towards the growth of fake news, for instance. So you will find that the mass believe something completely different mm -hmm. than what the so-called educated people of a country believe in or what their uh, you know, attitudes towards certain institutions are. What we've started doing now uh, mm. is also started tracking in the last five years, trust at a brand level. 
Mm-hmm. Which again, because now we've done it for five years, is showing some very, very interesting mega trends. Uh, so in 2017, I think was the first time when we encountered something the report calls uh, belief-driven buying, which is about I will buy stuff uh, when I believe that the brand believes in the same things as I do. Mm-hmm. And recently, I mean, and then you can see the trend from there onwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there was a report that spoke about how people are are actually voting with their wallets. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a brand democracy, and the brand that I choose, um, I. Sh- show my choice through my wallet. So I'm not just buying the brand, but I'm buying all the other choices that this brand has made uh, in coming into existence, in making its product. Uh, So very interesting. Interestingly, when the pandemic started and we did a quick dipstick, um, I think around April last year, when the pandemic had just started, though we do it yearly, we decided to do uh, a quarter dipstick because the world had changed completely between Jan 2020 and April 2020, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we found for the first time, surprisingly, government trust scores shot up because everybody was looking at the government to say, come on now, there's a pandemic. You need to figure out how to solve this for me. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter whether you were in the developed world or the developing world, everybody's eyes were turned towards the government mm-hmm. to say, Solve this for me, please. Tell me, should I be doing the lockdown or not doing the lockdown? Tell me when the vaccines will be available. Tell me what is safe behavior. Uh, how can I save my lo- uh, save my loved ones? Tell me that the economy won't suddenly collapse. Mm. And, and therefore, the government trust scores suddenly went up. But what we saw uh, by the beginning of this year was that government scores had again stabilized and brand and corporates were winning. Because I think a lot of consumers and people across the world now believe that corporates are actually better placed Mm. to solve society's problems in some aspects Mm. than earlier. Mm. And I would want my corporate uh, business to help solve these societal issues, which then has an interesting implication on brands because you're looking at brands also in a new light. So what we found is that, you know, brands were always looking for relevance in terms of cultural relevance, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So you always, as a planner, looked at culture and said, what can I use? What can I leverage to make this brand more uh, relevant? But now there is also purpose. So brands have an aspect to themselves, which is about what is their higher purpose? Mm -hmm. And you can use the higher purpose of the brand uh, to, again, create relevance for the brand. Mm-hmm. You can also use what we call societal issues mm-hmm. to create relevance for the brand. Mm-hmm. So instead of just looking mm-hmm. at the cultural aspect mm-hmm. to create brand relevance, uh, brand relevance can come from uh, it can come from the purpose relevance as well as well as societal relevance, mm-hmm. and and that's very interesting because it's opening up new vistas for brands. Yeah, absolutely. This is very fascinating, Sumer. Uh, that businesses are trusted more, that they are considered competent as well as ethical. And uh, therein, you know, uh, like you were talking earlier, that I'm going to trust when you do the right thing. You know, and hence, I want to know what you believe uh, about a societal issue. Uh, and, And I want you to take a stand because then I know where to place you 
you know, because I know where I place myself, just like you talked about relevance yeah. and, 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 you know, uh, the resonance in terms of beliefs and values. So that is very interesting. And then uh, you had used this line, trust is the new brand equity. Yeah. So <laughs> keep, <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Now, keeping that, uh, you know, uh, as an anchor, would you say that there is a new developing playbook for brands? Yeah, I, I think what has happened, I think the fundamental shift when it comes to brands is, and you and I have been working in brand strategy for a while now, and we've always taken trust as a measure of familiarity, right? Mm -hmm. Trust means people know you, or trust mm -hmm. means people have heard of you. And it really was like a real view attribute. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, it's been around for 50 years or 40 years. I know them, so I trust them. What we are now seeing is that trust is dynamic and trust is actually a forward-looking uh, metric. Mm -hmm. What trust actually means is that I trust you to do the right things, keeping in mind that this is a very, very polarized world full of fault lines, whether it's with climate change, whether it's with worker rights, whether it's with diversity, inclusion, whether it's about production processes, whether it's about societal causes, when, a, when somebody says, I trust you, they in a way are giving their vote and their belief in your ability to be able to negotiate these fault lines the way they would. And therefore, trust has become more forward looking than ever before. So and, and what that means for brands is you can't stay quiet anymore. Because in a polarized world, in a world full of fault lines, staying quiet is not even an option. Mm -hmm. So you need to take a stance. Uh, not taking a stance is also a seen as a stance. Mm -hmm. So whether you like it or not, whatever you do will be seen as a point of view because we live in such times, mm -hmm. right? What we've, all, what we've also seen is uh, that consumers want you to behave in the right way even when no one's watching. And what that means is you don't want to find out that your favorite brand actually doesn't pay the right wages. Or you don't want to find out that your favorite brand uh, doesn't treat its employees well. Uh, and we are seeing this more and more. It, it happens it, for the employees. I mean, we know what's happening to a major, major e-commerce retailer in, in the US, right? Mm -hmm. uh, They're getting trolled. Uh, and they're losing respect mm. because of how they treat their workers. Mm. And, and, these, and these attributes at one level, you can say, oh, so what? People are still consuming the brand. Yes, but then uh, when we say trust is actually your brand equity, uh, what you're doing is that if there was an option available to those consumers, they probably may choose otherwise. So mm -hmm. it's well and good if you had a monopoly and people are forced to use you. Uh, but in a world that does not have these monopolies, maybe they won't going forward. Mm -hmm. So trust also becomes a metric of how well you will do in future. Mm -hmm. We found that brands that are trusted more, mm -hmm. people pay more attention to their messaging. Uh, people are willing to pay more premium for their services. People are slightly more inelastic mm. about that brand choice. So you will go to the next shop to find that brand as opposed to substituting quickly if, uh, if your trust is high. Mm. So there are lots of interesting uh, aspects and impact of this whole trust journey mm. uh, in how 
brands are being impacted by trust. Uh, and, and then the report tries to, of course, put bring some of these to light. But these are interesting times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Sumit, a lot of threads we can take forward. First of all, I couldn't uh, help, you know, like you said, uh, you know, in our consumer understanding uh, attempts and journeys, we've, we've ourselves seen how, you know, what we used to trust earlier was, you know, like these static anchors, community, uh, which was, you know, community of your birth, your religion, your parents. And now uh, we are saying, I'm going to trust you basis what you think about the current issue today. Such a dynamic um, uh, concept it's become. Uh, you know, <laughs> so this is yes. damn interesting. Yeah, in fact, I'm reminded of this quote by Esther Perel. I mean, she's a psychologist and she's done some fantastic work. And you must uh, hear her podcast and go through the work that she's done, where mm -hmm. she says, "Trust doesn't mean you'll never fail. Mm -hmm. Trust means that I believe that you will fail, and you will then do right." Mm -hmm. So it is when I trust somebody, I give them the freedom to come back. When I don't trust somebody, mm. uh, then I write them off. Mm. Mm. Uh, look at the way the states of Kerala and Maharashtra have handled the pandemic versus some other states. Mm. And yes, those are the states that may be the number one in uh, numbers, in terms of numbers of cases mm. uh, at any given point of time, maybe because it's a population, maybe they test more, whatever may be the reason. But the one thing that I have found very different in people's reaction when I speak to them from these two states versus people from other states is they always say that the government is trying its best. Even if they are grappling with something, you know that they are not giving up the fight. Hmm. You know that they are still on your side. Hmm. And that becomes very, very big element of trust we've seen, even for brands. Hmm. To be able to believe that, you know, in a corner, in a bind, this brand is on my side. Hmm. So this brand won't kill a rainforest hmm. because it's cheaper. Or this brand won't use a more carbon intensive production process hmm. because, you know, it doesn't want to invest. Yeah. And also for the current times, the disruptive times, uh, would we say, uh, Sumer, that a, a consumer wants the brands to be an engine of cultural change? Would you like to yeah. take an example, Sumer, of brands that are doing it right or, you know, uh, in these, you know, transitory times? I think a lot of brands do it right. I, I, I think Tanish does it right. I think Ben & Jerry does it right. Hmm. Uh, and there's, there's work that we've done on Ajinomoto um, in the US market, which is about taking out hate. As you know, everybody thinks Ajinomoto is bad. Hmm. And as you know, people also believe that uh, have racist attitudes towards Chinese, which peaked last year in the US market. <laughs> and we used, uh, we used the brand to actually talk about taking out the hate and in the process also helping people understand uh, that Ajinomoto is also hated uh, unfairly, just like the Chinese people are. Uh, and, and therefore, uh, a lot of brands do get this right. I also, you know, I find it really uh, amusing sometimes when advertising is always supposed to be ahead of the curve, usually. At least when we grew up uh, and what attracted us to advertising was the fact that uh, the protagonists in our ads 
were way cooler, way more progressive than maybe the society we encountered at home mm-hmm. or at school or around us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore, I don't think it's new for brands to be progressive. Mm-hmm. It's actually ingrained in brands to be slightly ahead of the curve because that's how you create aspiration, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and therefore, this whole uh, debate that sometimes occurs that brands have no say in this matter. Yes, of course, you should be linked to your product offering. Yes, of course, it shouldn't come as a surprise that brand A stands for cause P because, you know, it shouldn't be completely unrelated. But keeping all that aside, Hmm. uh, there is nothing uh, fundamentally surprising about people wanting their brands to stand up for what's right. I mean, I would want it out of uh, my favorite Bollywood actor. I would want it out of my friend. I would want it out of my spouse Mm. that in a bind and if if something divisive comes up, Mm. uh, I would end up on the same side as them, right? Right. And it's human to expect brands to have a stand and it's human to expect that brands um, would come up on the same side as you do. I mean, which is why I think a lot of us get surprised in our college WhatsApp groups because a lot of people who we went, he seemed to study with, have come up on the other side. And we are like, what, what happened here? Yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you, you're absolutely right because until unless I know you, I don't know where to place you. And today in these times, uh, because of digital transparency and ethics and because um, you know uh, uh, because of the power equations changing between consumer and corporates and all of that uh, and like uh, your report says uh, a new cultural playing field is emerging and hence brands have to navigate that and make their stance clear so it's become more pronounced um, and it's 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 palpable as a demand uh, from the consumers, yes. like you are saying, it has evolved over those 21 years. Uh, and there's an opportunity there for the brands, uh, yes. you know, because it's going to it's drive offering. growth. Trust drives growth is is the key. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. Because it allows you to charge premiums, because it allows for more loyalty, because mm-hmm. it allows you uh, to have consumers who would go the extra mile who Mm. would land up on your website, who would wake up early Mm. to place their orders. Because of all those reasons, uh, trust does drive growth. Mm. Uh, What I also find interesting Mm. uh, is this whole notion of how brands are, uh, you know, when brands come back, it's a delight to see. Mm. Right? What do you mean come back? So, I, I mean, look at what happened to Maggie, right? Isn't it delightful that people, after all the lead and after being banned from shelves, mm. I mean, when it finally came back on the shelf, nobody, there were hardly any skeptics, right? Everybody just went bad and gave, just went back and gave it a rousing welcome. And, and, and that's beautiful mm. to see because it shows that over the years, this brand has the kind of equity uh, that allowed it to reach and, and and by the way, uh, when the controversy broke, I don't think uh, they were doing the best that they could have in those circumstances. So a lot of criticism, yeah, yeah, was made on, in terms of how they handled it. But mm. if I specifically look at the brand per se, mm. 
right and not the company per se the, the brand had amazing trust mm-hmm. and uh, that's why it, it just sailed through yeah sumer uh mm. you the other brands that have uh really created trust just by being more purposeful and just by making sure that whenever there's an opportunity to take a stance they've taken a stance you've taken some example would dove be part of those brands would would you include yes life? dove would be i mean i mean these are the regular examples right which yeah. we all we yeah. all use so yeah. so so dove dove definitely uh, yeah. but you know this is, is the interesting there are brands that are not doing it also if you could take an example there is an opportunity in that category and it's not happening i think a lot of feminine hygiene brands hmm can play a much bigger role hmm. than sh- than telling women and showing them that they can wear white like you get that right mm-hmm. i mean and then somehow you when you look at that advertising you find that and the communication that those brands do you find that the they like stuck there like like nobody's been able to think a fresh from that yeah from that a lot of a lot of male brands brands that speak to men hmm. uh seem to be stuck in 2005 favorite personal possession books alternate profession could have been psychologist hmm. or lawyer okay interesting if you didn't have to sleep what would you do with that time learn a new language okay what new languages okay what would you do on mars for fun planet mars find a way to come back <laughs> okay miss people around your most often used phrase oh shit <laughs> which animal will you like to be if given a choice dog and i don't think choice i think i'm half a dog even now so oh <laughs> one thing no one knows about you i actually wrote an ad that became a con finalist oh my god we'll come back to it okay what would you tell your 18 year old self would i tell my do one thing at a time So Sumer, uh, would you like to share your online address? Um, yes. Yeah. So you could find me on LinkedIn with my name, Sumer Mathur. You could find me uh, on Facebook with the same name. Uh, on Instagram as well, you could find me with the same name. Though I'm not much on Instagram, I'm lurking usually okay. uh, and not posting. Got it. I I think this is completely. Uh, it really is jagged in terms of its sharp it's pointy it's fun uh and yes go ahead like share subscribe um uh, i think i've seen a couple of episodes and now and uh, i i think the variety of people you get on your show is 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 truly remarkable okay so thank you so much for coming on my show sumer it was wonderful hosting you thank you for having me here it is a completely delightful